Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant with Fergus Elias and Lee Isaacs. In this episode of The Maker and The Merchant, Fergus and Lee are joined by Jessica Summer, founder of Mouse and Grape, a company focused on artisan cheeses and wines and delivering hampers and specialised tastings. Before we, we we start formally, um, Fergus, I need to ask you a question. I know you're you're obviously a big big fan of wine. You make wine. You're a big fan of cheese as well. But I um, mm. I just wanted to test your your knowledge, Fergus. What kind of what kind of cheese do you use to hide a horse? I'm going to be really annoyed when I find out, aren't I? Yes, you are, because it, it's mascarpone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and if if because you've got a lot of trees uh, around the vineyards and the winery, if you yeah. happen to if you were walking around like Winnie the Pooh was was in one of those trees and mm. you wanted to get him down, do you know yeah. what kind of cheese you would use to get Winnie the Pooh out of that tree? No, Lee. What would what kind of cheese would I use to get Winnie the Pooh out of a tree? You'd use Camembert. Um, yeah. So- Jess has actually left the chat now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm done. That, that was. She's done. That's, that was it. Well, it was no, lovely having should, you, Jess. Thank you so change. much for coming. I should probably add a feature into my hampers with these jokes because they're very good Christmas cracker style jokes. Well, the, the, you, you could do it for Christmas, as you know, Mike Boyne from Bin Two, who we mention on every single episode without even <laughs> trying to. When you when you buy wine from Bin Two, you get a little postcard with joke of the day. I mean, I've got I've got loads, and they're not even my best yeah. cheese jokes. Like they wow. get even better than that. But um, yes, dear listener, thank you for for joining us at uh, The the Maker and the Merchant, where, as you've probably gathered, there's going to be a heavy cheese component, because we are delighted to be joined by Jessica Summer, who is, she's not from, she is Mouse and Grape. Jessica, welcome. How are you? Oh, thank you so much, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really good, thank you. I'm very excited to be talking to you both tonight. We are equally That excitement won't last. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, uh, well it, I've, got, be... I've got lots of wine and as do you oh, well, I, think, okay. I think it will <laughs> it, it will be fun for me because I've got loads of cheese wine biscuits <laughs> honey and a branded corkscrew so um yeah. yeah there we go but we you know we should start if there's if there's anybody our one listener uh probably does know who you are but just in case a stray listeners come in um what I thought would be nice to do is to sort of talk about you and your background Yes, but I thought I'd let, I'd let, sorry, that makes me sound like I'm in charge, which I not. I thought it'd be nice for sort of Fergus to lead that because obviously you and I have known each other for a while and we've done some uh, yes. sort of social media together. So I thought rather than my voice coming out of people's speakers, which nobody needs to hear, I thought we, we could encourage the lugubrious tones of Mr. Fergus Elias <clears throat> to, to ask you some very probing questions about who is Jessica Summer. What do you think, Fer? I mean, I might have a few lined up my sleeve, but, you know, we have a very flat leadership structure here. So um, luckily, Lee has very kindly allowed me to uh, ask these questions. So <laughs> Jess, founder of Mouse and Grape, what I'd quite like to do is start by getting to know why you're in, what, how you got into cheese. Then I'd yep. like to know how you got into wine. Then mm-hmm. I'd like to know how Mouse and Grape was formed, preferably in that order. OK, well... I think the che- the cheese is probably going to come first because I was obviously eating cheese before I was drinking wine. And I've always been an absolute lover of cheese. It's just always been my favourite thing. And 
I've always been known, especially I'm going to cut into the wine a little bit now, but whenever I was having like family dinners or having friends over, I'd always have a cheese and wine selection. And it was always my go-to thing. I was known at at university actually, um, when everyone has their drunk food that they go for, I used to on the night out on the way home, get a camembert and and some bread and grapes and bake it. So I really (laughs) am. I'm a cheesy person through and through. Um, and when I discovered the world of artisan cheese, that was it for me, really. I just completely obsessed because artisan cheese really is. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some fast, fantastic cheeses you can get now in supermarkets. Um, and I just judged at the British Cheese Awards where we had lots of really good examples of those. But I just completely fell in love with the artisan world because mm. of the craftsmanship, not dissimilar <clears throat> to wine because it is quite similar in terms of, I mean, it's fermented goods. The makers have so much influence in terms of how they kind of create just magical ingredients and cheese from one simple thing, which is milk. So that, that was the cheese. And then wine, I just, I just have always loved wine. It's just, it's been my go-to drink forever. I've upgraded since kind of the, the barefoot days at uni, but I think that it's just been something I've always really loved. And I didn't realize quite how much I loved it until I was really I was away with some of my um, friends we went on a weekend away a couple of a few years ago and every, all my thought was well what are we having for dinner what what wine are we going to have what what mm. wine are we getting and they're like oh I think we're gonna have some gin and tonics and maybe get some some vodka and do some and I was like no no wine like, it's, just, it's, just, it's just in me I just I love cheese and wine but the, the way that mouse and grape came about was um so I actually, before I was into um, cheese and wine, I was a letting agent. So I was a manager um, of my family business, which is a property company in Northwest London. And I'd worked there for four years um, as a lettings negotiator. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I grow up. I am, I am grown, but when I'm a little bit older, I was thinking about taking over the family business. And because I've only worked within that agency, I wanted to get some experience elsewhere to be able to, to bring that back in. So I decided to um, get a job for a big London firm, which was um, Marsh and Parsons, which you'll know if you're, you're in London. And um, I got a job at the Holland Park office, which started on the 9th of March, 2020. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Good time. <laughs> but for, for, for the obvious reasons of COVID, I lost that job on March 19th, 2020. And it just basically, it was enough time that I was working there to make me realize that it wasn't what I wanted to do. And it was kind of a blessing in disguise, really. So I ended up going back to work for the family business and helping throughout COVID and keeping everyone going whilst everyone was furloughed. And then I just was a bit miserable, to be honest, because the plan that I had hadn't happened and it hadn't gone, gone through. I now didn't want to be in lettings, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was just having a chat with my with my partner, Charlie. And he was like, well, why don't you do something that you love? And I listened to a lot of podcasts. I loved listening to Happy Place, which is one by Fern Cotton, and also um, Conversations of Inspiration, which is Holly Tucker, which I absolutely love. And her whole thing is that you want to create a lifestyle business doing something that you love. So I was thinking, well, what do I really love? And, Char- and I was just like, well, I love cheese and wine. He was like, great, do that. Like okay, so I thought the best way to get into the cheese and wine world was to start an Instagram account. So we were just sitting on the sofa, and Charlie was just like, "Well, what what would you call your cheese and wine business?" And I was like, "Mouse and grape." He was like, "That's really good." Yeah, it's okay. really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that something? <clears throat> had you been thinking about that for a long time, or 
or did mouse and grape come to you right there and then on the sofa it literally came to me right there and then because wow. it just made it just made complete sense to me i was like yeah mouse mm. cheese great wine like it just i really liked the combination of the words it was short mm. it was memorable i was like yeah this is it so that, that was, there was no planning on that and it's so funny because when i listen to some of these business podcasts they say obviously the name is important it can take quite a long time to come up with a name but now I'm really fortunate that that was just the name that I had in my head and, and it worked really well. So I started the Mouse and Grape Instagram account. That was July 2020. And then I set about doing my WSET qualifications and I worked in a wine shop for um, Dallings, which is in Kings Langley, for nine months. And then I did my cheese qualifications as well, my level one Academy of Cheese. And I just basically developed the idea for the business. And what I found is that there are fantastic people out there doing wine and having amazing wine businesses. I knew I didn't want to be a winemaker, um, but I wanted to, to have a business in the industry. Um, That's a very sensible way. move, by the way. Oh, really? Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wine, winemaker. Not good. I mean, that's <laughs> never worked out for anyone. Certainly no one Literally. I know. Literally no, <laughs> no one. <laughs> well, I like, I like drinking the wine rather than making the wine. And then... The same with cheese. There are great companies who are cheese specific, like the mm. fine cheese company, La Fromagerie, the Cheese Geek. But I wanted to to create a company where you've got the focus on cheese and wine in equal measure. Nice. So I am a trained sommelier and cheesemonger and can give okay. expert pairings on the two. And that's how yeah. the concept of mouse and grape came about. And now what I do is I do my cheese and wine paired curated hampers. And I also do tasting events um, for corporate and at home events like stag do's and hen do's and birthday parties. Really? Um, all such a good idea. Pairing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Next up, I thought we'd move into uh, what I'm calling the cheese quick fire round. Okay. So this is a selection of cheese. Can I, sorry, so, sorry to interrupt here. You know, Jess knows what she's talking about, right? So Fergus, all I'm saying is I think you need to tread very carefully. I am looking to learn here. This is not, I'm, I'm not going to ch test Jess on different types <laughs> of rennet because we all know where that would end up. <laughs> yes, yes, it would be like the Helsinki episode of 1919, and we all I thought we weren't going to talk out. about the Helsinki episode ever again. <laughs> well, legally, we're not allowed to, so we'll probably just edit that out. Sorry, I've, I've interrupted yet again, dude. It's cool, it's cool. You, you, you don't want you don't want I, to I don't look, I don't want to get in the way. Oh, nice. Could you just curd that enthusiasm a little bit, though? Oh, it's good. It's very oh, good. Dearie, mate. <laughs> dearie, mate. It's all right, mate. I also have a ton worth of cheese-related <laughs> jokes. Yeah, here we go. I'm uh, sorry, we had to bring out the god of cheese in my eyes. Right, Jess, are you ready? So these are quick fire. Okay. Yeah. Best cheese-based dish? Mac and cheese. That's, that's a winner. Favourite cheese? So Gorgonzola Dolce, but there is a specific Gordon Gorgonzola Dolce that I'm obsessed with. And it is, um, you can get it in a place called Tozzi Gorgonzola, which is in Farringdon. They've closed during lockdown, but they're opening soon. And this Gorgonzola is honestly life-changing. It's just amazing. So that is, that is the one. I'll get that address off you afterwards. Yes, that, you, that, yes, that you did. Phenomenal. <laughs> okay, uh, so we've done uh, weirdest cheese you've ever tasted. So the, the weirdest cheese I've ever tasted was, again, at the British Cheese Awards. Um, I was judging a category which was like cheese with spices and other things in it. And it was like a Mexican-style chili cheese, which I think is probably for like burgers and things. But it was just very bizarre. It, it wasn't, in my opinion, wasn't very good. And that actually Not to my taste. 
beautifully to uh, my next question, which is things in cheese. Good question mark. <laughs> I tell you what, I I can't think of a cheese that I really love that has had things added to it. But I think there definitely is a place for them. And I know mm -hmm. that people really love, I mean, truffle cheeses, actually, I quite like a truffle cheese, like a truffle brie or truffle, truffle gouda style um, or pecorino. But you can get people love like human goudas and um well the other ones i think you can get some blue cheeses which have got grapes and cranberries and other bits on them as well um what i'm not really on board with is like your wednesday dale with your cranberries and your apricots i don't really like that to be honest but i, I think i think the truffle thing works because actually once you've added the truffle to the cheese there's not mushroom for anything else i, I for, fergus again this is an, an auditory experience the the look of utter disdain on Fergus's face was going, why have I agreed to do this thing with this idiot? This is episode um, bloody six and I'm still and it's, it. still, I know, what, what's wrong with you? So I was I was a finalist of the Young Cheese Wrong of the Year competition, which was at the World Cheese Awards um, a couple of weeks ago. Thank you very much. And I know that there was a chocolate infused cheese there. And there was also a cheese which had ants on it, dried ants from Australia. So I think there there are people putting things in and on cheese in very unusual ways. Were those <laughs> I don't ants think they're going to be supposed mainstream. to be there, or was that just you know? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, they cool. were, they were. And I spoke to one of the judges who tried the cheese, and she said that the ants were very interesting because they added like an orangey, citrusy flavour because of what the ants eat. And I think in uh, Terry's like, chocolate like, oranges. <laughs> the ants eat Terry's chocolate oranges and then they get onto the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> They've been going around Melbourne picnics and just eating all yeah. the Terry's chocolate orange. The, Huge in the, Australia. The ants are back, Ted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry, we, we need to. But this is sorry, on the, quiet, I, 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 I apologize. No, but I, but I have to because you've mentioned ants on cheese. There's a cheese, I think, called is it Katsumatsu. I think it's Italian and it's got maggots in it. Does that ring yes. any bells, really? You've got mimolette as well, which is created by the cheese mites, and that's that's the their kind of the main thing with that. And you get, that's why you get the holes and all the all the kind of the dust from mimolette. Anyway, I shall step back because this was quite no, fire, and I've made it the opposite. I know, Breaking but I, I now want to hear about the, the 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 cheese that had the mite. Is it nice? Mimolette, yeah, it's yeah. very nice, very I'm, good. I'm, it's going on the list. It's a very <laughs> famous French cheese. Um, it's orange, orange in colour, and yeah, very nice. Okay, uh, this one, this one, I've gone, I've gone a little bit abstract with this. Best cheese for a summer's afternoon. Oh, so I would go with, I'd go with burrata probably. Yeah, burrata <laughs> is just so delicious and amazing. The other ones that I would go for would be like any kind of goat's cheese would be lovely. Mm. So like your your Samor de Terrain or Cinnadon Hill or something more fresh, or you could go for feta halloumi so many summer cheeses and I think that often people I, I mean in my opinion cheese is for every day every day every day of the year every season but I think sometimes people associate cheese with Christmas and in, in like a kind of indulgence thing but I, I'm championing cheese for all year round and there's so much opportunity there I'll just cancel that question about Christmas cheeses. No. Uh, <laughs> this this is the kind of positivity the world needs right now. Absolutely. What cheese it. should I have in this situation? Listen, what? Just eat cheese. Yeah. Right. Just eat cheese. Yeah. I did have a question about the best cheese for the recession. Oh, did you? That's 
um the best cheese for the recession well that's a really funny question i'd say comfort cheese is probably the best cheese, cheese. So, is that not all cheese well i think some <laughs> some che- it is but i'd say like your gooier cheeses like your, your breeze your your tumworth camembert oozy gooey cheeses i think uh, make you more happy arguably um mm. so i would i would go for those because i think those are more comfort based but i think Christmas cheese is important to talk about, though, because obviously mouse and grape Christmas hampers is is a big part of this of the world of cheese um, and wine. And it's a big time of year for that. So a good question, nonetheless. So Christmas cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Just just, just to go back to like the the cheese that makes you happiest, there's there's some kind of inverted irony in that, because... The cheese that makes me happiest is is the cheese that's runny, but it's so runny it's actually running away from me, which is very much how <laughs> other things find happiness. Yeah, friend, there's, a, there's a wonderfully blunted irony. This cheese going, no, let me away from him, and then I just chop chop yeah. it up. I think it's interesting though thinking about like the, my go-to comfort cheese because n- now that I've I've been a cheesemonger for for nine months working, I work part time at the Fromagerie in their amazing cheese room, which has over. 200 different cheeses in there and it's it's fantastic and I've tried them all and I think it's the same with wine that, that the more you taste the more you develop a palate for something a bit more unusual and complex mm. so my kind of go-to cheeses now are, are very different to the ones when I first started out so it's just interesting keeping in mind from like a, a retail perspective and I'm sure Fergus you'll agree with as a winemaker as well it's thinking of like what what would the consumer want versus what would I really go for <laughs> Um, and making sure there's something there for everyone, which is what I've really tried to do with my hampers to kind of get all the ballparks there. No, that's a very grown-up approach to, to marketing. <laughs> it doesn't work at Hashid. We we have 27 SKUs because I'm just like, oh, that wine would be interesting. I'll put it in a bottle and stick a label on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing you know, the, the list is far too long. I've got one more. Uh, ultimate cheese and wine pairing. Just one cheese and wine pairing that's the oh, combo gosh, of choice. That is such a hard question. The one that I think I get the most like wow factor from and you can really taste a big difference would probably be actually like a, a dry white wine. So say if you an easy ones to find would be like your classic Sauvignon Blanc or mm-hmm. like Viognier um, any, or even like a, a, a rosé as well with a goat's cheese I think that combination is just it really highlights what those two flavors can do together to get that more delicious outcome and I think the acidity in a goat's cheese paired with that acidity in the wine it just makes them both more fruity I often think the mouthfeel works really works well as well Um, and I quite like hard goat's cheeses so one of my favorite goat's cheese producers is White Lake Dairy and they make a cheese called Rachel which is a hard goat's cheese I and love that Rachel. one, yeah, Rachel That's is a just great cheese. It's a great cheese, yeah. And I went to visit Roger and we did some filming and tasting of cheese and wine together. And I introduced him to um, it was folk rose with mm. Rachel, yeah. and it literally blew his mind. And it was just amazing to show a, a cheesemaker how you can use wine to then kind of bring a new audience to his cheeses as well. It was just really fun. Other premium English still roses are available, yes, such yeah. as. Balfour, Nanette's English Rose. <laughs> I, I need to try some. I need to try some. Oh, no. <laughs> Send me your details. I'll, I'll get a case up to you. <laughs> well, Fergus, yes. I came across um, your the one of your pubs, your pub in um, Farringdon. Barts. Yes. 
yeah yes. I, on, on literally this earlier this week and i met the lovely guy there who's the manager matt and he looked after us so well and he he got us to taste one of your red sparkling wines Oh, um, good. I'm so pleased that that's getting airtime. Oh, not in a good... Do I not have said it? No, no, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm slightly flippant. I, 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 I'm a bit... I, I, I do... I love all the wines I make. Yeah. But of all the wines I make, I love that one the least. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny that that's the one that I tried. Um, I also like I also it? tried your Chardonnay, though, because I I'm really love um, Chardonnay, which was really nice as well. But I was just... I, I absolutely fell in love with it. I thought that the whole venue, the wines, everything was lovely. So, yeah, I, I really liked it. So I thought it was so funny that we're talking this week because yeah. I was going to mention that anyway. And yeah. actually, I do quite... I have a soft spot for Leslie's Red, but... Yeah, now I'll send you some other bits. Well, he was with the reason that we that we were talking about it was because we were talking about Christmas wines, and I think that 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 as a Christmas wine is a really interesting one, definitely. That's perfect. Yeah. 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 Spot on. Oh, fab. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, congratulations, Jess. You've got full marks in the in the cheese uh, quickfire round. Uh, we're very impressed. Uh, Lee will now um, ask you the more uh, scientific questions about cheese and cheese production. Um, wait, you, Lee? Yeah, well, I was very interested to actually discuss uh, pH levels in unpasteurised milk. Um, oh, actually, I do have uh, a question about pasteurisation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just nervously grabs her laptop and Googles. <laughs> no, no, but it, it's, it's a more general thing. So yeah. pasteurisation, obviously, you can make nice cheese without pasteurising and you can make yeah. nice cheese with pasteurising. Yeah. What effect does it have on the flavour profile? Have you ever tasted a cheese that has been pasteurised and a, the same cheese that hasn't? That's a really interesting question. The cheese which recently has moved from being unpasteurised to pasteurised is Baron Bygod. And the reason being is that their cows, there's, there was an outbreak, I think, of TB. So they had to they had to then move over to pasteurised, which is quite common. It's, it's really difficult. I think if you blind tasted with a group of cheesemongers, I think, I mean, I'd, I might get some hate for this, but I don't know if you could tell, really, because I think that their cheeses like, for example, Tumworth mm. is pasteurised and that has got, that's got an amazing flavour profile. And the same with, there are lots of other examples of pasteurised cheeses. So I, I don't think it makes too much of a difference, but the French would say that it really does. So... Yeah. I think it depends what you're looking for, I think. And I think it runs into the story of cheese and the kind of the overall experience. If you're saying that it's raw milk and it's the the kind of the natural flavour profiles that are naturally coming from the cheese, it kind mm. of it runs into the story and how you describe and how you communicate about cheese. And similarly for wine, I think you have the rise of things like natural wines and low interference. And I think it's probably going to be similar on the cheese side as well but I think pasteurization is also seen as there's health benefits to that as well especially for people with like low immune systems or pregnant people they need to be having pasteurized too absolutely I oh, know it's, it's, it's fascinating because it, it, in one of my other roles I make cider so we we make Jake's Kentish cider which is uh, yeah. available in all majestics uh, at the moment uh, sorry had to get that plug in um <laughs> but the the big debate when we started making jake's kentish was we always wanted sterile filter traditional wisdom in cider is that you pasteurize cider the 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 effect on 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 cider 
the differences it can be really pronounced but what we found was actually it was really pronounced for about a week and then after that the they became much more aligned and i was just wondering if that was something if, yeah yeah it was, it was an interesting it was something i found quite interesting at the time i think there are, i think there are so many other factors that go into cheese making other than pasteurization so sure. i think that that is one one thing and it's really hard to pinpoint in cheese what the reason is that you're getting a, a specific flavor or a specific kind of aroma from it but yeah there's definitely ways of breaking it down and I'm sure there will be people that will argue that raw milk is really important but I've definitely found when I'm tasting different cheeses and recommending cheeses they're brilliant cheeses whether they're raw milk or non-raw milk pasteurized or non-pasteurized so I think there's there's space for both and I think they're still amazing as well but you do get people coming in who want specifically raw milk cheeses but a lot mm. of the time, because in America and in, I think Australia as well, you can't buy unpasteurized. It's no. all got to be pasteurized. So they are That's so it. keen to try unpasteurized cheeses here. Do you get the, with organic, so again, just from a wine perspective, and, and obviously I haven't run, I haven't run wine shops for a while now, but I still mm. interact with, with consumers generally. And I do get, you know, a certain consumer base very actively, they don't necessarily understand what it means to be an organic wine, but it's something they're familiar yeah. with and they see it as a positive. Do, is that something you find in cheese people looking to, you know, I, I, I'd like cheese, so going beyond the pasteurised, I'm, um, I'm looking for an organically produced cheese, or is that? Not overly, to be honest. Um, I think also you don't really get too many organic cheeses, because I think there's a lot involved with paperwork to mm. get that organic status, and I think it's quite costly. I think you'd find really with a lot of the artisan cheese cheeses anyway, they would be organic because of the way that the farms are run and the dairies. So mm -hmm. I think it's a bureaucracy thing rather than a kind of not getting the certification. Um, but I think the, the, the thing that is the challenge, I think, which will be going forward with cheese is the dairy aspect, which you can't really get away from because <laughs> mm -hmm. cheese needs dairy to be cheese. But there is obviously the rise of vegan cheese. And I think also people's diet habits are changing. And though cheese is obviously a really good source of protein and calcium and vitamins and all, all sorts of things, it's also fatty. And it, it, you need to have it in moderation. The same with wine, <laughs> all in moderation, all good things in moderation. So I think that what that means is that people will be eating cheese less but I think people will be eating better quality cheese less often than the cheese, which is maybe not quite as good quality and keeping it more as like a, a special occasion type thing. If you're going to have like a more well-rounded diet and also, I guess, ethos in, in kind of how you do your eating and your spending as well. I think that's, that's quite an interesting reflection of what we're tending to see in wine at the moment, especially mm. beyond trade. Um, so I think it's quite well popular. So we're seeing people, you know, eating out less, but generally when they're going out, they're spending a bit more. Obviously, we've got yeah. turbulent times to come. We'll see, but we're generally seeing that in the world of wine. So it's quite interesting to see that reflection because often I, I think trends that we do see in food don't necessarily spill over into wine and you know wine isn't really big enough to influence trends in food mm. that's, that's quite an interesting reflection no no I was gonna say I just think cheese and wine parallel each other really well I think they are I think they are quite similar though the thing with um with wine I think well it depends on the size of the vineyard but there's a higher yield from wine than there is from cheese as well and that's also been something that I know that dairy farmers are kind of not concerned with but there's only so many cheeses that can be produced at cheese makers and it's, the, and it's the same for wines as well that I think wine is more scalable 
than cheese. And so wine, that's also an wine, interesting wine doesn't have its own sort of competition in the UK where you have to race each other by rolling bottles down the hill uh, <laughs> and chase them. No, to we the did try that once though. It ended horrendously and the oh, water crash is still going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose you could do it like I just come up with a great idea for a, like a game show winemakers in a barrel yes just so there, there was something that um I, I, there are many many interesting things and so much that we could talk about and, and obviously won't time to touch on all of them but you, you've you've done your WCTs and, and you know an opportunity yes. to shout out um to Louisa at Unicorn yes. and the Vine who I, I know you did some WCT with, with um you know I, I firmly believe our industry's very best educator but you also did your um your your cheese qualifications yes and i'd be really interested to know what does a cheese qualification involve what sort of things do you learn what do you have to do and, and how do you pass a cheese qualification yeah i, I yeah d- delighted to tell you that um so with the cheese one they're quite similar in the way that they kind of are based on the wset wine ones i think that was the inspiration but the the level two was really in depth there's like, I think it's 10 different modules. Each one has about eight to nine different chapters. And it goes into the detail of kind of how milk, what, what kind of scientifically how milk is, is made and the proteins and what's in them. And then how you make cheese with the different enzymes. And then it talks about the different animals. So the different breeds of sheep and cows and goats. And then the different regions that make specific cheeses, who makes them how they're making them um, and then also tradition. And then of course there's like the um, selling of cheese and storing of cheese and health and safety regulations. There, there, there's so many things. It's a huge, huge topic. And they've, they've just released actually level three, um, which is even bigger and even more topics, need more detail and level four. So you to then become wow. a master of cheese. Yeah. That yeah. sounds intense. Yeah, I, I, and, and it's, it's as a obviously a, a teacher of WFCT comparing the le- the two level twos, the cheese and the wine one. That that cheese one is way more involved yeah. at, at a level two stage. I found the level stage. two Academy of Cheese on par, if not a little bit more complicated than level three wine. Just because I don't know whether it's just the way that my brain works, but I feel like cheese cheese is is much more complicated to define and to put into different categories there's so many different ways that you can make cheese and different varieties and kind of variables and variants whereas I think when you get the wine I mean you're obviously a winemaker Fergus but like when I feel like the the principles of winemaking I could get my head around that a little bit easier than than cheese um and I think also you get obviously different grape varieties but I could just I just seem to get my brain around the different styles of grapes a bit easier than like the breeds of cows and the I don't know, AOC rules of... <laughs> this, of this was actually one of the question I can't read. And I think the reason <laughs> I couldn't read it was I couldn't believe quite how ridiculous the question was. And now it doesn't feel ridiculous was, what's your favourite type of cow? <laughs> <laughs> of course it sounded silly. Hang on, um, sorry, I'm... sorry. I've, I've left some cows outside. I need to bring them in because it's yeah. freezing out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would say um, my favourite type of cow, I mean, Jersey cows would probably be the obvious one. They make really good milk, which then makes the really good cheeses. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I quite I like the cheese Abondance, which is a French cheese, and it's called Abondance because of the cows who are the Abondance cow. So I will say Jersey cows or Abondance. I, I like the idea of having a question like so in in wine we talk about 
like clonal selection and rootstock. So I quite like the idea of what if we took this cow from this place and transplanted <laughs> them over there? What's well, those clowns? Lee, that's, that's what they do. That's what, that's what they do. That's what these dairy farmers do. They literally, I know for Baron Bygod, they literally got cows from France and bought them to the UK to have specific milk. And then also so much of what you get with the cheese is what the cows are eating. So if they're mm-hmm. having like different fields and natural flowers and all sorts of things. And yes, yeah, there's so many, many parallels to cheese and wine, which is That's why it works so perfectly. Phenomenal. I remember, I've just um, got visions of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a Frenchman smuggling a little calf <laughs> in, in his luggage. Uh, no, this is perfect for my Vacherin. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that a cow you've got there? Uh, no, it is a donkey. It is quite illegal. <laughs> This is my donkey, Pedro. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're always German. They're always German, those donkeys, aren't they? Well, I think I've been really fortunate to work with and kind of learn from really incredible people in the industry as well. Because, I mean, a guy who I work with at La Fromagerie is called Max Melvin, and he's done some the cheese courses with them. And, he, I mean, the level that he knows about cheese is unbelievable. Just the, the, the science, the, as you say, like the, the complete detail, and it is really fascinating. And I find it so interesting to learn more about it. But I think you're right. It's, it's, it's having the ability to take on this information but to communicate it in a simple and approachable way to the consumers who are interested in it, but maybe don't want to know about the I know, specific enzyme in this that links with this protein that gets you this flavour or so, aroma. So that's that's a, a nice sleeping off point. And, you know, Jess, you've you very, um, very kindly organised, uh, sent out Ferg and I a couple of things to, to try yeah. um, some cheese and wines. But, but before we get onto those, uh, you know, what you were just saying. Uh, was I not supposed point. to already be stacking my way through? I, I think, uh, have you finished it? Well, no. You were supposed to save it for this recording, not eat it straight out of the box <laughs> when it arrived. No, did you just well, Charlie, did you just, I just Charlie Brown it down, open the box and <laughs> in one? No, 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 I just ever so every once in a while, I don't know if you've noticed, I, I've just been quietly going on mute and then demolishing a cheese biscuit. <laughs> you look like in. you've been enjoying it. I have been thoroughly enjoying myself. This is this is my idea of heaven. I, if someone had said do TM and TM and one day you will get to do this, I, I would have I would have done it years ago. Oh, I'm so I, pleased. I have met on multiple occasions Dermot Sugru, but I can now say I've never seen a person who makes wine in England look as happy as Fergus does right now <laughs> with his mountain of cheese. But um, before we, like, we'll, we'll dive into the, the cheeses and the wines that, that you sent us. I'm really excited to, you know, Fergus got something different to, to me. But it was a nice leaping off point. Obviously, you said, you know, you do the hampers, which we'll talk about. But yeah. you do con- consumer events, corporate events. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that opportunity to talk to the public. So just to, like in a nutshell, what, what would an event, somebody you know, hires you to come and do a cheese and wine event. What, what sort of format does it take? What kind of things do you do? Sure, sure. Well, I'll, g- I'll give you a, a quick overview of the corporate ones and then the, the private ones. So the corporate ones, I work with companies um, to basically do team socials or client dinners, or I worked actually with a company called Cypher Learning, who are a CRM system, and they wanted to show what their um, CRM system could do using a cheese and wine tasting as the example. So that was a really fun one to do with them. Um, but it's it's very flexible, really. And I can either go to their office spaces or we rent space in a hotel or a restaurant. Um, and the format is that each person gets their own individual cheese board and then wine to, to enjoy with it. And I talk through how how to 
eat cheese, how to eat and taste wine, and then how to do it together, and then give the examples as well. And I also make sure that each of my cheese and wine pairings has an additional little pairing, whether that's some honey or some embryo or chutney, nuts, um, grapes as well. And it's just a really fun experience. And I make sure that it's all obviously educational, but really fun too. And then the private events work in a similar way but I do hen parties and stag do's and dinner parties. We've got a hen do coming up um, in a couple of weeks and they've asked for an Italian theme. So I would be doing four Italian wines paired with four cheeses. And then we talk through and go through it all. So yeah, it's great fun. I really, really love it. And it's fun doing in like an intimate setting as well. So I do events for the minimum I tend to do is about six people and then go up to about 60 is the biggest one. Wow. And, and this is one of the things that I think make, makes you so unique. There's a lot of people who do wine tastings, work in wine, and cheese and wine go together, you know, everybody knows it. And, and I've done it myself. I've got, I've got to put a few cheeses in here, you know, and I, I hit up Wikipedia because that's always reliable, isn't it? <laughs> but I'll, I'll literally say, like, not even 30 seconds on the cheese. But I, you know, I'll go, I don't know anything about cheese. I've read this from here. Done. But when you're talking about wine and you've got that extra complexity of talking about the cheese and to do that for 60 people, you know, yeah. And unless you run an event, you don't know just how much that work that is. Yeah. Um, but and it's also, it's awesome. not, it's the, the event itself is obviously part of it, but it's all the prep before and I, I cut and prepare all the cheese um, and the, the kind of the boards and everything and get the, the glasses. But there's a lot that goes into, into creating an event like that. Um, but it is great fun. And the interesting thing that I find is that people tend to have more questions about the cheese than the wine sometimes, which I think mm -hmm. is just really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what the reason is, maybe because I, don't, I actually have no idea. Maybe I just, people just seem to be very interested, but maybe because mm -hmm. we don't meet, meet many cheesemongers. Mm -hmm. I think have there's the... more resource on wine though, isn't there? So maybe yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I would agree. actually finally got someone in the room who genuinely knows their cheese. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's that it's that opportunity is there is there also an element we know I mean it gets talked about a lot and this is a really nuanced it's a much more nuanced conversation I think people give it but you know wine is wine is mysterious and people are a bit scared of it and and, and all of those things mm. does that come over into cheese because maybe that's an element where people go I'm not, I'm not really worried about asking somebody a question about cheese because I don't yeah. feel I should know whereas wines are very different yeah there definitely is a part of it with cheese um, I, I just I think generally there's a there's a huge difference between artisan cheese and non-artisan cheese and the varieties that you can get. Um, and I think also there's lots of varieties of cheese. I mean, there's there's I think 700 different styles of cheeses made just in the UK. So many and so much variety. So I think I think people probably don't maybe they think they know more about cheese, but there is much more there, if that mm. makes sense. So, yeah, you brought up um, that there are now 700 cheeses in the uk alone yes am i right and maybe this is because this this could be ignorant speaking but am i right in thinking that that number has grown significantly in the last sort of decade or so it has that, yeah it has it has it been growing like has. i think since since i think it's the 70s actually which obviously wasn't hmm. a few years ago but that that was kind of the turning point for for artisan cheese and when it became much more kind of um prevalent thing but the um the change i think that, that you're seeing is that people have it's producing more of an income with cheese. It's, an, it's a better, it's easier to preserve the milk and turn it into cheese is one side of it. And also it's, um, I think there's just more demand. 
for it really people are wanting that artisan products and products which are made from specific areas so I think it shows the general trend that people have for wanting better quality ingredients you know people are looking now for sort of more home entertainment I think Covid led to that and so you know we saw that that rise in in wine tasting so the fact that you know everybody likes wine everybody likes cheese nobody's I've not met anyone that has both quality they probably exist somewhere but I've not met anyone that certainly that's put themselves out there and gone I can do both of these and I'm I'm fully qualified in in both I think it's really really and that was really important to me when I when I started Mouse and Grape that I, I needed to have the qualifications and the experience and the kind of um I get, yeah, I guess evidence in both that I mm-hmm. can confidently say I'm a cheese and wine pairing expert because I have mm-hmm. this this level of experience. And I think it's interestingly what you were saying about kind of trends, people changing their like lifestyle because of COVID. And I think that what we're going to be seeing is people doing a lot more things at home and cooking at home and hosting mm-hmm. things at home, which is where I think my hampers will really come into play because the hampers have everything you need to host your own almost cheese and wine tasting experience because you get the guide you get the tasting notes you get the cheeses and the wine and I think that there's the aspect of people wanting to do things at home still to then have that side of it too so it's almost like an experience that you can have and then obviously I can come along too and do do a whole dinner party as well so there's lots mm. of different ways well on, on on those hampers you know which you know I've, I've um you know I've, I've seen them from you know uh, obviously known for you for a little while and seen them on social media but the, the quality of the content so you, you know you don't just get a box of cheese and a bottle of wine in it all these extra things that you just mentioned Jess so this you know this little guide that it tells you a little bit about you and it, it's just these pieces of information I think you know someone who's I'm interested in cheese mm. it, it, it's I think that's you know when I first started in wine and what sort of things did I need and want to learn when I was first starting out yeah someone like that maybe with cheese you know the, the information here is really accessible but it's it's that next step up of information to, to to really get you on the ladder of learning about this thing and engaging with it more and, and thus being able to just take more joy and pleasure out of it you know and you and you've covered wine as well in the same way so if you're starting off this you know this is here and this is what this means but um what I really loved that um that you've got in these booklets are these these folks showing the same thing <laughs> is, is the flavor wheel so I think the flavor wheel is yeah. really powerful in in wine I've never seen one for cheese so having so that a, a, is just that is courtesy yeah courtesy of the Academy of Cheese they very kindly let me use that in in my tasting guide and yeah it's a flavor and aroma wheel for cheese which is yeah it, when you look at it and it also some of the flavors that are over is quite unusual ones that you mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know that you'd like in your cheese but they are is a sign of 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 a good cheese <laughs> i just do you know so you, you capture I, I said this on our last episode when we were talking to the online wine tasting club this this concept of unboxing and they capture you capture yeah. that because it's you know again it's not just shoved in a box it's packaged really beautifully and that mm. un- unboxing Thank is you. a thing um, which I, I kind of now get having received, you know, what you've sent us, Jess, and, and having had stuff from the online mind I get why that unboxing thing is actually, that yeah. becomes a really tactile, visceral part of the overall experience, which is ultimately what what all of us, whether it's wine or cheese, yeah. or wine and cheese, are trying to sell. And that just That's the also why of materials. I, did, I did a lot of work last year in like the branding side of making sure that my logo is all it's all consistent and the colors and it all looks well together ties together I've got 
branded paper that sits on top so then you get to mm. open it up and then discover what's inside with the shred and everything's wrapped so yeah I think there definitely is an aspect of fun of like discovery of seeing what's in in the hamper um and what are the feedback that I got from it was because there's something on the top and you're kind of searching through it's like you're kind of pulling out more and more things and it just feels exciting and fun um, and then you kind of see, oh, we've got all these great things to taste and try. Um, so now I'm, I'm really pleased that you like the packaging. I it's... just feel so fortunate that I found a box that was the right colour. <laughs> <was like>, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it's, it's like a Christmas stocking. Mm. So, um, you, you, you know, you open this, but I'm like, as you've just said, you know, you take one piece out and then you've got another piece and then there's a little bit more and, and a little bit more. And it just get and it, it, you just keep pulling these things out, and you just said that it's that discovery. So yeah. even before you get to open the cheese and open the wine, which itself is a voyage of discovery, and then pairing, you're discovering it from the, actually the first moment that box opens. So yeah, and obviously thematic. people who are being sent these hampers, they were they're not going to know. Well, they might not know what mouse and grape is, or the brand, mm. or have heard mm-hmm. of me. Because obviously I'm a, I'm a new business. I was I only launched the business last December. Um, so it's really important that people get a positive first experience and that all comes in with with kind of that initial look Um, but you guys I sent you you've got two different wines and two different cheeses each from the same hamper which is the old and bold hamper I mean the quality of the cheese that I've got has blown my mind I I unwrapped the first one and went I I, I ran around the house looking for my son and my wife going look what I've got and of course they both went can we have some and I I went no because I genuinely need it for the podcast and I and then my wife said but it's not a visual podcast is it because it's a podcast I was like you still can't have any cheese the thing about it as well though is like you know when sometimes I mean each cheese I I was that I've done specific pairings with the cheese and the wine, obviously, but the, the cheese, like the, there's no bad cheese or bad pairing. Do you know what I mean? Like eat, both of you have been sent like delicious, exceptional things. And it was like, it's easy to see that as like, they're both great. <laughs> Whereas, you know, sometimes when you have a hamper and there's like one cheese, you're like, yeah, like, no, it's yeah. not, not yeah. really for me. Um, but no, like I was just like, yeah, I'd, I'd be thrilled to receive either of these two combinations. Oh. And there was a, yeah, they're both great. So I'm really excited to hear what you think. Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, this genuinely blew my, blew my mind. But please, yep. Ferg, enlighten us. What have you got? Um, yeah, so, uh, well, I say okay. to you, you, Jess and Ferg, tell us what's uh, what's in well, your hamper. Yeah, yeah I mean, Fergus. Uh, well, I'm I'm rather excited, actually. So uh, I'm going to work in the wrong order and start with cheese two. Okay. Because um, <laughs> I've been thoroughly enjoy, enjoying cheese two. So that's the Keen's cheddar. This is delicious cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like this grainy bit. Like, is 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 that salt crystals or something like that? In, yeah, in, yeah. So it's particularly aged that one, uh, more so than a lot of other cheddars. And it is, it's um, wax cased with lard, mm. um, and yeah, it's just gorgeous. Not wax, well, sorry, cloth yeah. with lard, and yeah, it's stunning. Oh, you had me at lard, um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it is phenomenal, um, and it's got this. I, I love, I love, you've got like a little cheese tasting note here, which um, 
is 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 pretty useful. And then I also have the San Nectar. Yeah, San Nectar. I'm going to hold it up for this podcast. The hold. <laughs> oh wow! So I know, yeah. and, and nobody else is going to sit. Can you just do that again, folks? So I can sit. I don't care about our listener. Yeah. Um, can I sit? Behold, behold. Yeah, San Oh my word! That is yeah. that is a thing. For of a beauty. second, I felt a bit like um, you know that scene in in Blackadder uh, where Percy makes purest green. Could <laughs> 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 it be? In my hands. <laughs> this is this is also fantastic. And what I really love is my first tasting note for the wine, which you sent me, was into farmyard. And the first tasting note for this cheese is farmyard. Yes. It's, it's perfect. It is literally like for like. Um, yeah. And the che- the the wine is uh, a 2011. Seriously, this is a this is a seriously top top quality wine i love this it's um 2011 domaine de la concierge this is when ferg really gets in trouble because he can't <laughs> can't do the can't do the fancy words yeah beaujolais yes mm-hmm. beaujolais yeah beaujolais. 2011 2011 beaujolais, beaujolais. yes yeah, mm. delicious mate so good but it's it's so well paired both of these cheeses work phenomenally uh, like i oh, I, I haven't put enough time or thought into what i'm going to say here and i'm now realizing that but oh it's just perfect it's you know gamay is heaven for me anyway um but then these are both such sort of they're quite powerful cheeses with with yeah. real weight and structure behind them that then coupled with 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 gamay is just i'm in awe I, oh that's I, so great well, when, when I'm, I'm choosing the cheese happy. and wine pairing so that the process for doing it um mm. is I kind of select the cheeses that I want to use and, and last year actually um when I first started Mouse and Grape I went to the fine cheese company and we li- literally got like 25 30 cheeses and tasted through them all decided I thought these are the ones I want to use and then I went to Jarrah Bowens and with Michael who I who I know from there and we literally tasted with Louisa actually about 50 different wines with the cheeses and then paired them together to see what worked with which one it was a crazy afternoon and I think Michael said the best client tasting he's ever had and then we did so this so I knew kind of what works with what and had that experience and then for this year I knew the style of wines that I wanted and mm. then had an idea with the cheese and then it's just a trial and error process really I had 11 12 mm. cheeses tasted each one with each of the wines um and yeah just completely fell in love with the sand nectar especially with the Beaujolais because of what you mentioned with the the farmyardy aspect just works mm. really well and mushroom as well there's a mushroomy quality to the, oh, to the cheese which then makes the wine I think a bit more fruity and it just works perfectly and then mm. the thing with the cheddar as well you mentioned those salt crystals and yeah. those salt crystals really make the fruitiness of that wine come out. And I think also it's great with the mouthfeel as well. The whole thing just works beautifully. And the whole thing you're looking for with cheese and wine pairings is you're, you're either looking for two contrasting things. So like your, your Stilton and your Sauternes or, um, or you're looking for flavours that complement each other without overpowering. So you're, you're getting like a harmonious flavour balance to then improve rather than losing one or the other. And that's what I really liked about those flavour combinations of the Beaujolais with the cheddar and San Nectar. I felt that you were getting enhanced versions of both without losing either one. You say it beautifully. Absolutely. <laughs> I, spot on. It really is. And I love the, the sort of the weight and the, it's got that <laughs> on the Beaujolais and they're quite nice. They're quite firm. So it just 
it just sits so beautifully when the cheese mm. comes in and you're just like, oh, no, that works. It works and so well. Fergus, have you tried the honey yet with any of the cheeses? Uh, funnily enough, I this 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 little morsel that's going in my mouth in approximately <laughs> five minutes, uh, five minutes, I hope it's not that long, <laughs> is honeyed. I have yet yes. to. Um, I have just cracked open my pot of honey mm. so, I can, so I can now sort of, but you know, I felt it, it was important to explore them without the honey. Yeah, yeah, very much. And so. then to see, and then to elevate it with the honey afterwards. That was that was my thinking. I just, I think cheese and honey is just perfect. Any any mm. cheese really, it just really works so well. And I think it's an interesting point as well. It's like when you have when you're tasting cheese, and you you guys obviously will know from tasting wine, like you want to taste the cheese on its own, the wine on its own, then it together then add the layers of different things to it because then you can compare, contrast, experiment, try different things. And that's the fun in pairing and finding the combination that works for you. So obviously taste is all subjective. So you're finding your own thing that you love. I feel like Jess is a kindred spirit. I'm, I'm thinking of starting a podcast called The Maker of the Merchant. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the the wine we talk maker, about cheese the and we talk about wine, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know what, what 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 I'm hearing? What also what I'm picking up here is you know the success of like the three drinkers, yeah, like that for cheese. Because yeah, uh, I mean, you, you, anybody uh, you could just listen to you all day, yes, all day oh, talk about it, and just the cheese, let alone the wine. There are there are ideas in the pipeline for different things for 2023. So we shall see. But I there is there are a couple of other podcasts that I will be on soon. So yes. Awesome. But this so this just this Beaujolais Berg. This is a this is some top level gamut. I'm very excited. Um but yeah, no, there is the nose is quite tertiary, which is nice. It's got that earthiness. It's got a little bit of forest floor, but not quite it's forest floor I always think is a bit I've used it quite a lot lately and I and I don't anyway. Tertiary notes, yes. Mm. Um, a little bit of mushroom, but more, and potentially pushing more white truffle with a little bit of pepper. And the palate's fantastic. It's still really vibrant. It's still got some really mm. nice concentrated red fruit, but it's that underlying, savoury, delicious. I, I'm a big fan. You know, these hampers, you get to give people an idea of, of the very quality of this. Yeah. Um, I'm very looking in a past life, I used to work quite closely with with Fortnum's sold quite a lot of wine into them mm. you know hosted events there Name and you know when, when when but you know when you think of quality hampers I think Fortnum's is probably the first name above, above Harrods I, I think the quality of what you're producing just not, not just of the goods that you are sourcing to put in them but everything else you do yeah. it's that it's Fortnum and Mason level quality oh, thank and, you and, very and the quality of the goods that you are choosing is at that level so if, if you know, anybody listening to this thinking hampers and goes that that's where you, you know that's where they need to realize where this sits because it's yeah, absolutely fabulous i i think for the quality of the wines and the cheeses the price point that i've managed to get it to ridiculous i i think yeah i think pe people who know wine and cheese will will hopefully agree that because this hamper the old and bold hamper retails at 110 pounds and to get the no. age beaujolais yeah the, the santimillion the four cheeses crackers Corkscrew, everything else, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Pete, I mean, that, that Beaujolais, yeah. Beaujolais alone must be thirty quid. Mm. Easy, easy thirty. Yeah. That's well, fantastic. Berg, yeah. Berg, mm. let me tell you what I've got: Chateau Simard, Saint Emilion Grand Cru, twenty twelve. 
whole bottle. But well, not it's not whole now. It's not whole now <laughs> because um, it's very it's very far from whole because it's in my presence. Um, so you know, before we even start on the cheeses and the, the you know, I sort of mentioned the Peter's Yard, Ryan Charcoal, sourdough crack. You know, this is you know, you're not getting a pack of a pack of you know Jacob's cream here, are you? I, I, not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's no. not what you're getting here. <laughs> Uh, no, artisan crackers, yeah. Artisan crackers, but you know, we, um, Wilkin and Sons Pure Honey. But this, I, I'll do the wine first because I, I, I come from a, a wine background. This, this Chateau Simard, 2012 is a really tricky vintage in, in Bordeaux. But the, the, the family that own this and make this also own Alza, Chateau Alzan. So, you know, really good pedigree. And the wine is absolutely stunning. It's, I sort of wrote in my notes, this is, there are some wines that like enervate you and fill you with energy and, and like kind of make you stand up and get you. This is a wine that meets you on its terms. It's a wine that very gently kind of pulls you in. It's a sit down and take your time over this wine. It's confident, it's comfortable, and it shows the characters of a, a sort of a, a broadly cooler climate vintage or it's oversimplifying vintage itself. But the nose is, it, it's so beautifully expressive. And, and the first thing you've got is like this real core of, sort of dark plum and damson and cherry and almost kind of black currant and then you've got that beautiful sort of leafiness like raspberry sitting over the top and then, and only then do you start to get oh they've used oak barrels here of course they have it's bordeaux really finely integrated smoke and toast and cedar uh and then there's, there's like sort of dark chocolate sort of coming out of it and it's and there's a there's an it's an aromatic wine but this is a wine that's been made by people who understand what thirst is because it's got this it's not a driving acidity it's a really pure linear acidity it's omnipresent but it is never dominant and the tannins um, the, I think the tannins in this wine are actually higher than they feel because they're so round and they melt in the mouth mm. but they you, you, you know you finish the wine and you want to come back to it but you want to come back to it on its terms quietly you know almost like that Italian concept of you know the meditazione I suppose you, you kind of want to sit down and, and discuss quietly with this wine, not kind of throw it around and, and, and dance around. Um, it's absolutely stunning. So, mm-hmm. you know, to get that in, in any hamper of, you know, foodstuffs alone, you'd be going, I don't care what else is in this hamper, I've got a bottle of this. It's, this, um, it's quite a special bottle for me because I, I chose my Christmas wines, as I'm sure everyone did in July um because that's when we all choose mm-hmm. our Christmas things um but then I went I actually went to Bordeaux in September and we and I visited Saint Million and in Saint Million they have lots of lovely wine shops that you go around and they give you little samples and tasters of the wines and the first wine shop that we went into the bottle you had Lee was on their display as the example wow. of a stunning wine and that was the one that I'd chosen to feature in two of my hampers so it was just a real like I don't know serendipity moment of just like yes this is the right thing this is a stunning wine and yeah I just completely fell in love with it I love I love a Sansomini on anyway and I just think that's a really lovely example and again exceptional value to have both of those big wines in one hamper yeah. Is, yeah. is a big thing yeah and so that, that vindication must have been fantastic as well yeah it to them and go, oh, oh yeah no I know a bit about that one yeah, I know, literally, I know. <laughs> all the wines in, in Santa Million that they chose, that vintage as well. It was, mm. it was the same. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Really, really Madam like to try the 2012. Uh, Madam has already tried the 2012. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, why, is, why is she putting the cases on her donkey? Where is she going with this? Um, why is her donkey mooing? Why 
why why is everybody speaking as if they learned to speak French at the Jean Cleese language school? <laughs> no. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I got off on on a, a huge existential tangent, but um, you know, so that's what I was going to say. So, you know, just so our listener, I think we've made it clear, but just in case. The listener understands what what Ferg and I have got between us is one hamper. Jess has very kindly taken gone to the effort to sort of split it. So, you know, the things that Ferg and and and, and I are discussing with Jess about this hamper. When you order hamper, you get all of this in one. Yeah. Um, and when you said they're hundred, you know, hundred and ten quid for the hamper, it's hundred and ten quid for everything that Ferg and I have between us, which is is, is ridiculous because just the wines alone, as we said. But but the cheeses yeah. I've got, and I, I I sort of I mentioned it earlier, you know, the first cheese I unwrapped just visually, like I'm very very happy. So I have this um, aged Gouda, two year old. You gotta be he's kidding. Ah oh, oh, come on, that made me feel blue. Ryan, how you go, Ferg? Won't you? I th- 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 this cheese, th- you know, firstly it blew me. I've opened it and it's got this this lovely sort of like pale orangey amber colour to it but it's got kind of like little white spots on it yes. and it made me think about something because I, I came at it from a wine perspective the amount of people that might receive that cheese, not not through the sample but someone might buy that cheese or come to it and look at it and go oh oh is there something wrong with that because we don't have that widespread knowledge of cheese and know yeah. you know what it is or why it's there and and that just struck me as, a, as an interesting thing but I think there and you know Ferg said you know Jess you, you send out all these notes and and sort of bit of technical information with it which is wonderful because it's there if you want to access that yeah or if you just want to, I just... In, in the guide as well I say your cheese might not look how you think it's going to look mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and actually that um yeah. in the book there's the little guide about how long you can keep the cheese and you know yeah. cheese might form a mold get rid of it but th- these so just I'm, I'm going to go through your notes and you said you know there's a golden salt encrusted paste and it and, and it's got these salt crystals in it um, but it's it's, I've got to because I, I can't I can't better anybody's tasting note, but I certainly can't better anybody's tasting note. You know, with, with you know, I can't better Jessie's tasting note. On oh, she, thank you, she's so knowledgeable and, and articulate and expressive. On the palate, there are deep, robust notes of nutty espresso, toffee, and butterscotch with a long finish, and that is exactly you. You, you put this cheese in your mouth, and you just get that hit of fresh espresso, and you get that. And you get that salty hit from the salt crystals. Mm. So you have this with the wine and that salt. You know, it, it, this is a beautiful wine. It's not what you call a fruity wine. It's a classic. In my tasting of the wine, I wrote so, so Bordeaux. You know, it's yeah. got fruit in there, but it's got layers of savouriness and spice. And this cheese with that saltiness just elevates that sense of fruit. The tannins in the wine are already lovely and soft, but it just softens them that little bit more yeah and the wine becomes a completely different and the combination of the two is is absolutely wondrous it 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 reveals such a deeper world of flavor and experience yeah. and exploration between two really simple essentially simple everyday things cheese and wine and it shows you what these are capable i mean just that alone as a cop this cheese is ridiculous because you haven't seen it and i i know this is hold a, the cheese the you know, podcast <laughs> Hold the cheese, Ferg. Here it is. I don't think you're ready for this. But oh, um, I mean, that is Gordon, obviously. Are you I, allowed to? Is that allowed to be on screen? I I didn't get an eighteen plus warning. I think. I mean, what you've got, I think, is magnificent. But I I, I think I win. 
because I've got a massive honk here of Colston Bassett. Oh, Colston um, Bassett as well. And, and it's, oh my word, it's it's got this, and again, Jesse's tasting it, smooth, creamy, nutty, open textured. The cheese is buttery and complex with a slightly spicy long finish. I mean, I can't, that's yeah. exactly what this is doing. And it's, it's that creaminess. And what happens is, I think, and I'm no cheese taster at all, I, I don't measure up anywhere near you, Jess, at all. For me, what it did, I got that lovely creaminess and it sort of coated my palate and relaxed me. And then, bang, you get that hit of salt and gentle spice and a bit of fruit coming through. And it suddenly, so you go from being, oh, this is nice, but wow, that flavour yeah. explodes. And again, with the wine, there's enough acidity in the wine to kind of counter the creaminess because it could be yeah. quite a difficult one. And then that bit of salt, a bit like the previous cheese, just elevates the fruit. That Those two combinations... Do you know what? I, it sounds stupid because I don't know anything about cheese. And Jess is, mm. is the expert. I wouldn't have. That, that to me, those wouldn't be obvious pairings that I go. Well, if I got a cheese, that's obviously the one I'd be going for. So it's mm. it's absolutely revelatory. It's really nice Wonderful. to introduce people to different flavor combinations and pairing combinations. Because what I'm realizing is that, yeah, my, my go-to's aren't necessarily other people's go-to's. So it's nice to educate and get people to experiment and try different things as well I think it's interesting what you've both said and obviously the cheeses that I've chosen the hamper is called the old and bold because the wines are old and bold but also mm. the cheeses are also bold so it's, it's a big mm. hamper <laughs> in hey, terms hey. of flavor because I think you need the saltiness of those cheeses you need the the big flavors to complement those big wines and um, mm. so then you have that kind of bringing out the best in both it's you know there's I, I hear I hear a lot that I'm difficult to buy for which is nonsense I'm the easiest person in the world to to buy presents for nobody should ever buy me a present at all but if they were to I'm I'm, mm -hmm. I'm actually very easy but you know through my, my career I've met so many people got I'm, I'm I need to, I'd like to buy something for my wife husband partner you know whoever it is they're into cheese they're into wine I don't know what to get and they just come by selection bottles if if you have even the remotest interest in wine i think if you've got the remotest interest in wine you're probably interested in cheese you get this for christmas you'd be absolutely over the moon it's just oh. the, the quality from start to finish and it is a big you know i can speak for the wine and the cheese i've got i think you know fergus reflected what he said this is a big bold luxurious decadent uh experience and it's in it's the better for it it's absolutely wonderful dress. This is, uh, it's oh, that's so great. I'm so Brilliant. pleased you guys have enjoyed this so much because um, it is all well and good me being curating them and putting them together and thinking that people will love them. But yeah, I, just, I had a really special feeling about this particular old and bold hamper. And I'm really pleased that you guys really like it. because I think it's playful as well with the name, obviously, because you can gift it to someone who is old and bold too. Well, um. between <laughs> between Ferg and I, I'm old and Ferg's bold. So um, before we before we finish, um, Jess, I've, I've sort of got, Ferg did the quick fire questions. Um, yes. but before we finish, I thought I was going to ask you, what do you think are the three most important things a consumer should know about cheese or think to ask about cheese? That's a really good question. I think that in no particular order is obviously like the taste and the quality. And I think the, because you, you can get very good tasting cheeses, which aren't artisan and I'm not knocking non-artisan cheese, but mouse and grape is all about the artisan cheese. So I'm going to just focus on that. 
but I just think the, the the taste level and the flavor and the fact that you're going to really like it, I think it's really important to to question and ask and read the descriptions of a specific cheese so that you know what you're getting into. I think that where the cheese is from is really important. So obviously from like an environmental and sustainable perspective, and there's that could be an entirely different podcast because that could go, go on about that for a long time. Um, but then I think also is how are you going to enjoy the cheese? What to have the cheese with would probably be the number one question because that's always something that when people come to me and ask me for a cheese, my number one question is, well, are you planning to have this with any wine? And then how can we talk about that going forward as well? So yeah, that would be my answer. Great, great advice. Jess, this has been, you know, again, we've known each other for a little while. Um, so, I, you know, I knew you were so good at, at what you did. This is the first chance I've had to to experience one of your hampers that you've you've put together. And it's um, it, it's not disappointed, but it's just elevated everything I already knew and believed about you to, oh, to a so whole other level. And to our listener, uh, head to www.mouseandgrape.com. That's where you'll find Jess's hampers. Uh, obviously, be able to contact Jess, organise sort of corporate or private events. Um, and, of course, you're on all the socials, Jess. This has been awesome oh it's been such a nice evening no this has been fantastically awesome um just to build on that oh, i know nice. yeah. but no nice. honestly just um to, to 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 blow a bit more smoke because it's richly deserved it's the thought that goes into these i i'm i was blown away and we talked about it earlier it's all the little bits that just add up and add up and add up and it's 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 like why making why making is making three hundred decisions and and hopefully getting ninety percent of them right. Mm. And what you do is the same. It's so many different things and so many little things that just come together to just make this really fantastic package and offering. Um, so thank you so much. We've really enjoyed it. Oh, thank um, you. I will continue to enjoy this um, until I get gout. Um, it's, <laughs> it's Thursday, the risk that we have to face as wine and cheese professionals <laughs> it, is, it is indeed been there done that got the t-shirt and uh, you know it, uh, i live my life yeah i live i'm not <laughs> frank again um now jess absolute pleasure thank you so much um and i've got a feeling that we'll be asking you to to come on again but thank oh, you oh i'd absolutely. love that I've, I've really really enjoyed myself um and yeah thank you guys again enjoy the rest of your cheese and wine and I hope that you guys have a wonderful Christmas. I know it feels feels like Christmas is around the corner for me. It's literally all I'm thinking about and talking about. So I'm going to wish you and your listeners a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. And the very same to you. And um, I, we will be in touch very soon. But, yeah. yeah, perfect. Thanks, Jess. Great. Take care. Thanks, Jess. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Maker and The Merchant. Head over to www.mouseandgrape.com to check out the many different hampers that Jess has to offer. Join us next time when Fergus and I will be talking about, well, we'll be talking our usual nonsense about wine, I'm quite sure. Cheers.